when I was pregnant after loss, I needed to like let go. Like any of the stuff that did not matter, it had to go so that I could take care of me, take care of my family, take care of my relationship. And like, it's okay to have a season where you're just like fully focused on you. And so I think that's really important going into a pregnancy after loss. Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Maria. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy and through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the answers to the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. And welcome to the show. So just a trigger warning, this episode does contain discussions around baby loss and pregnancy loss. Hey, Maria. Shelly. Have you ever heard of tocophobia or tacophobia? I think it's tocophobia. It sounds familiar, but tell me what it is. It is the fear of childbirth. Oh, interesting. And they did a study that showed that the fear of childbirth has drastically increased due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Interesting. And people are saying it's because women don't get the emotional support that they need. Well, they don't. And there's a lot of Right. Reasons. I mean, honestly, I don't blame everyone for being. Uh, uh, and like it's, hospitals are scary. Period. Hospitals are scary. Mm-hmm. You don't go to a hospital because you're feeling great. Right. But if you are looking for something to emotionally support you, I mean, that's that's where a doula can be just the thing to, for you. I, I feel like doulas should, I don't know, I don't know if it should be mandatory, but I feel like it should be, what's the word or phrase I want? Like it should be, it should be covered by insurance and it should be like medically offered. Like universal. Like, yeah, it, it should just be everybody should have the Standard. option of a doula and they shouldn't have to pay out of pocket for it. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, the paying out of pocket for things is the prohibition to getting more help for, for most people. Yeah. Yep, 100%. And there, and, and there are always doulas who are going through training, who offer a lower fee yep. um, or offer a certain number of free births every yep. month. Which I, you know, and I was a doula for a while um, and I loved it, but doulas deserve to get paid too. Absolutely. So like you said, it should be covered by insurance. And there are some insurance companies who are trialing programs where they will pay for doula care. Mass Health, for example, is trialing a program right now where they'll pay for doula care. That's fantastic. Um, And they're going to see what the effects are and based on what the outcomes are, they might keep it as a permanent benefit. That would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Everybody should have the option to have a doula at their birth. And again, more for just, no, I shouldn't even say that. I was going to say more for the emotional support, but not even that. Like when you're in the throes of labor, you're in a very primal instinctual state. And you don't necessarily have logical reasoning at your fingertips. And you need somebody there who does have that capacity that can mm-hmm. speak on your behalf, that knows what you want, that knows like that knows you and has been with you for at least part of your pregnancy and can kind of like help guide you through that and intervene when needed. Yep. And at the very least, you should take a childbirth class or at the very, very least read a book about childbirth because it's very easy to be afraid of what you don't know. Yeah, for sure. And when you're going into birth, the the more you know about the process and what to expect, the less uncertainty that creates in your environment and therefore the less fear you feel. Women should have like a self-advocacy course, right? How How do you advocate for yourself when you're in those throes of labor, mm-hmm. how do you how do you know when an intervention doesn't really need to be done, or when an intervention is being pushed on you maybe too soon? Like you, women need to know how to advocate for themselves, and or you have that doula that is able to ad, 
advocate for you. That's really Yeah, and I would go even further with that and say that women shouldn't have to advocate for themselves yeah. during labor and delivery. Like they should be going into an environment where they are 100% completely respected. Yes. 100% completely safe, listened yeah. to. And if they went into that type of environment, self-advocacy wouldn't really be necessary to begin with because no one's pushing back. Right. And the safety part of that is so, so key. There is a lot of research that shows that if a woman does not feel safe in her environment, her labor will stall. It will basically stop. Her body says, nope, it is not safe to give birth here. We're going to like halt this process. And unfortunately, in a hospital environment, that can be really detrimental because that's when they start throwing all the interventions in at you. Um, and we all know that hospitals love to intervene. They love and we're to. grateful for those interventions when they're needed. But get us wrong. <laughs> yeah, but Anna, Anna, this is one part that I am pro- probably way more out there on. Most of the time, the interventions are not needed. Mm-hmm. They really aren't. Most of the time, the interventions are there because the labor isn't happening as fast as, as the medical team wants it to. And especially for first-time births, that can take longer. First-time births can take longer. That's completely normal. But hospitals have like this time frame that they think everything should happen in. The medical world operates that way, not even just for births. That's how the whole medical world works. And if it's not happening on that little time frame, arbitrary as it is, that's when they start to intervene. Mm-hmm. I have very strong feelings about this. I could go on forever and ever. Oh, I know. And I was going to say like, this is the last thing I'm going to say about it. (laughs) Back in the day, so like early 2000s, when blogging was still very in, there was a home birth midwife who had a blog. I'll never forget the post she wrote and it was called, buy the hospital ticket, go on the hospital ride. And it was all about like, look, if you want to give birth in the hospital, then you should give birth in the hospital. But you have to go in knowing I'm giving birth in a hospital. And these are the things that happen when people give birth in the hospital. And these are how to try to avoid. Them. Yep. And, and everybody should remember that a hospital is designed to intervene. That, mm-hmm. is, their, that is the purpose of a hospital is to intervene. Mm-hmm. Whether or not something needs intervention, we have definitely come a really long, far, far away from what birth could and should be. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't give birth in hospitals. I'm just saying that hospital births should be treated differently. Well, we could definitely totally derail this this episode, but we won't. We went on a little longer there. Right. (laughs) let's do our question of the week so this week's question is how do i transition my baby off formula when she turns one year oh well that's actually not as complicated as you think um it depends on how much formula they're taking currently and how much solid food they're taking currently like how good are they at eating solids? If they're doing pretty well by a year old, they're having three meals a day, maybe a couple of snacks, um, or at least maybe three meals a day. Um, instead of doing formula, you're introducing a different liquid. It could be water. It could be juice. I mean, I wouldn't go like 100% juice off the bat because that can be dehydrating. So maybe like a diluted juice. Um most of the time it's cow's milk for most families. Yeah, I was going to say you can do cow's milk. Um, that's the popular choice or like a plant-based milk. If your, fam- if your family is vegetarian or vegan and doesn't do cow's milk, you can definitely just transition to um, a plant-based milk instead. I-, I would like to say that cow's milk is not necessary. I feel like a lot of people feel they need to go from one milk to the next. Like I have to... I've been doing all of this milk for the first year of my baby's life. Now I have to do a different kind of milk. You Thank don't you, dairy industry lobbyists. Yeah, exactly. You don't necessarily have to do that. Um, like if milk is a regular part of your family's diet, then great. Fine, do that. 
But if it's not a regular part of your baby's diet and you're really just looking to transition out of that formula as a food, instead of doing a formula bottle at like 2 p.m., maybe they have a fruit snack or a vegetable snack um, or something of that nature and a sippy cup full of water or some diluted juice. Mm -hmm. And toddler formulas? Complete waste of money, not needed. All marketing. It is entirely marketing. You don't waste your money on that nonsense. Um, I mean, if you really feel like your baby needs milk, just do the regular cow's milk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or goat's milk or whatever. That was a good question. And if you have a question you want us to answer on the podcast, you can DM me through Instagram at ShellyTappedIBCLC. And next up, we are speaking with Amy Watson all about having a rainbow baby. Rainbow baby. Morgan is my rainbow baby. This week, we are speaking with Amy Watson all about having a rainbow baby. Amy is a certified life after baby loss coach. She combines her own experiences of stillbirth, miscarriage, and pregnancy after loss with proven mindset tools to help lost parents find themselves again. Amy believes that when you go to the root of your struggles and bring them to light, that's when you will see the most progress. She is the host of the Smooth Stones podcast, where she shares all the tools you need to build a beautiful life, even without all your babies in your arms. When she's not coaching, she enjoys spending time with her family, baking, and doing DIY projects. Hi, Amy. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat today. So you are a life after baby loss coach. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your personal journey, what led you to become a life after baby loss coach and what exactly that is? Yeah, I would love to. And if it's okay, I'll just start by saying to everyone listening, loss is kind of a part of parenthood. It's a part of nature. Like we know that sometimes this happens, um, but in our culture, we don't talk about it a lot. So I just want to preface this by saying that talking about pregnancy loss, it doesn't cause pregnancy loss to happen. And most of the people that I talk to, my clients and my friends, Really, people usually say, I wish I knew more. I wish I knew that this happened. I wish I knew that this was a possibility before it happened to me because it can be so isolating and so hard to talk about. But when it happens to you, you find out that it does happen quite often and to people that we know, to people that we love, to people that are listening now. Um, So I just wanted to say that I don't want to scare anyone. I'm just here to empower people and to share my story, my experience. And I think the more we can do that, the less scary it is and the better we'll all feel. So I'll just start with that. But yeah, what led me to be a baby loss coach is I was kind of the typical wanted to have kids, like get married, have kids, and was able to do that. I had four little girls, found out we were pregnant with our fifth little girl, got all the way through a really pretty boring pregnancy. I knew what I was doing at that point and everything was great um, until it wasn't. And, you know, it was just, I mean, I won't go into the whole story, but basically thought I was having contractions, was kind of walking, thinking we're having this baby. I was four days before my due date and contractions didn't really go anywhere. Later, like the next morning, I was like, I haven't felt her kick for a while. Still wasn't that concerned, thought, oh, maybe she's sleeping, whatever, you know, you tell yourself all these things, but ended up going in and getting checked and finding out that our daughter had passed away. Um, Like I said, just four Mm -hmm. days before her due date. And just that started me on a grief journey and trying to figure out how do you do this? How do you like deliver a baby that's passed away? How do you like, you have to plan a funeral and I have to tell my little girls that their baby sister has died. And it was really, really tough, really devastating. Probably every parent's worst nightmare is coming true, right? You know, and it's you because we just think this won't happen to me, but it does. And it did. And so I just kind of dived into learning about grief and learning about parenting after loss, learning about relationships after loss, because, you know, like typically men or women are just different people, right? Whatever your situation is with your partner, 
they might grieve differently or experience this differently. And so there's a lot to learn. And I kind of took that on as my mission as I was grieving and just figuring it out. And it was messy and it wasn't easy. It was really, really hard. But that was where my journey started. Just to sum up really quickly, I guess I went on to have another baby. Um, We got pregnant just a few months after that stillbirth and ended up having a baby just a year later, which is actually pretty typical. A lot of people end up having that or like it's almost like deja vu, Um, but you're grieving and you're pregnant again and you're just terrified and it can be really, really hard pregnancy after loss. Um, That baby was born and is nine years old now. He's a fourth grader and we went on and had a a miscarriage at 14 weeks, and then another baby, our last baby, we call our rainbow babies. He was born at 35 weeks and I had preeclampsia. So I've had quite the journey of like parenting, mothering, like pregnancy, loss, all of it. And I just am a person who loves to help other people. I just grew up that way. And it just kind of organically happened where I would have people ask me for advice, have people say, hey, my friend's baby died. Like, what do I do? Can you talk to them? Um, And so I've done a ton of like volunteer work um, in the baby loss community and then started my business. Um, About five years ago, I went to life coach training and wanted to bring like mindset tools and my own experiences. and the experiences of just like countless other families in to help people know, what do you do? Like, how do you even do life after baby loss? Because there, there's lots of books and there's lots of things, but like, there's no perfect manual for it. So what I like to do is really help people figure out how do you want to do life after baby loss? Because it's grief, but again, it's like, it's relationships, it's work, it's parenting kids, it's trying again, it's all the things that humans have to deal with and grieving this really unique personal type of loss. So that's kind of my goal is just to help people know that there's so much hope, there's so much brightness. And when we can learn about grief and we can get to know it really, really well, it makes that whole situation a lot easier. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I myself had a pregnancy loss. I had a son. We found out he had passed. That was induced. And just like you, I got pregnant again pretty quickly after um, within six months, I was pregnant again. And now I had I had a boy. My rainbow baby was a boy. And now he is um, 13, which I'm not prepared for. But yeah, <laughs> it's fun. My living kids are six to 20 right now. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm so sorry for your loss. Did you name your baby that passed? We did. Yeah, we did. It's it's not a name that we share a lot, but we did name him. We did have him cremated. There is actually a local funeral home that did um, baby loss cremations for free. You just had to yeah. pick out the urn, which was really helpful. Um, another thing that I found super helpful at the time was I had a friend who just came to the hospital after I was induced and he was delivered and just like took care of all of that for me. Like found the funeral home, found the social worker to help us and and all of that, which was amazing. Oh, that's so sweet. And yeah, I think there's always like, you don't have to look for a silver lining when you're in the hardest, you know, going through something really hard. But I do also believe that there's just such a special like spirit or energy around these little ones. Um, Mm -hmm. They're so loved. And that's how we were. Like we just had all these little things fall into place that were just so special and really helped Again, in like the worst day of your life. Mm -hmm. I know when I had my experience, it it was surprising when I did start to talk. I'm definitely an oversharer, so I don't really keep quiet about things. But um, so I did talk about it with a lot of people. I was very public about it. Um, And I think that helped other people come to me and say, oh, this happened to me too. And I remember being astounded at how many people this happens to, and I worked in the, like I was a doula at the time I worked in the birth field. So you would think I have a better understanding. And I think in my head, I knew the statistics of how many people go through a pregnancy loss or an infant loss, but it doesn't really hit you until you're in that situation. 
Um, and I remember at the time I homeschooled my kids. And so I was in a homeschooling co-op, a homeschooling group. And there was three of us, me and two other moms. We got pregnant at the same time. And then we all lost our babies within two weeks of each other, all three of us. And I, I think not that I'm happy that they lost their babies because I'm not. But I think having that built-in community where we were all kind of going through the same thing and understood it and we're able to kind of lean on each other a little bit helped as well. Because if it's one of those things where, and you can correct me if you feel differently, but unless you've been in that situation, you don't truly understand what it's like. And so sometimes just talking to someone who's been through it can be extremely helpful too. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, I mean, that's why a lot of people are drawn to like what I do is because it's like, I've walked it, I've lived it and you can't understand any other way. And I think the flip side of that is sometimes when we are the grieving person and we're the one that lost our baby or like get really frustrated when people don't know what to say or like they put their foot in their mouth and whatever. It's like, I actually like to just think they don't understand. And I'm like, glad they don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, like you said, it's like, you don't really wish other people would have to go through this, but it's nice that there are. But if you have people in your world that don't get it, like, that's okay too. Um, we're all just mm-hmm. like trying to figure this thing out. And um, yeah, it's so interesting because I also had my friend, one of my best friends was pregnant and we found out, like just randomly found out we were due on the exact same day. Um, and then I lost my daughter and she did not lose her son. And so it was a really interesting thing because she was one of my biggest supporters. We had done this whole thing together. And then just to have this like kind of like fork in the road which I think can be really difficult. But in our case, it was just so good. Like she was so gentle and kind and like such a good support. And, you know, when I was ready, I held her baby who was like the exact same age my baby would be. And yeah, it's just, I just think it's interesting how life puts people in our path. You know, whether it's like your case where you had, you know, you all were able to support each other through loss or a different way. It's just really interesting. I just don't think there are coincidences in those kind of relationships. Mm-hmm. I lost my baby like 14 years ago. And at the time, people wouldn't talk about miscarriage that much. Do you feel it is the same way now? Or do you think people are more open and talking about it more? I would say, I mean, it's a really interesting question. I think that care has come a long way, like acknowledging that these are little beloved humans who deserve to be treated like babies, not just like this terrible thing that gets whisked off, you know, like in our grandmother's day or whatever. It was like, oh, it's better to just forget about it. Like, Mm -hmm. don't let them see the baby. Don't let them do anything. Um, I think that like my loss was 10 years ago. And even then it was like, there were some Facebook groups, there was some social media, but it wasn't like it is now. There were like blogs you could find. Mm -hmm. But I think social media has really helped connect people. Um, And like for me, I lived in a really tiny town. There was no support group. There was no any resources really. So being able to get online and find people I think is so good. And I think it gives people courage to share their story or a place to share their story. And I think we are able to be more open about it. But I also think, like I said at the beginning, we're not really good at talking about it. We, I mean, people don't want to think about something as sad as babies dying. Mm -hmm. And so there's still some stigma, I would say, but I do think it's getting better. I think there's more awareness. I think, you know, it's, there's progress being made. Um, But I think it'll always just be kind of one of those things culturally that we can always do a little bit better in being open. And also it's so personal, right? Like mm-hmm. there's people that don't even tell, like if they lost their first baby, they wouldn't tell their rainbow baby or they don't know how to do it or they don't know how to bring it up. And then it gets to a point where it's like, how do I bring it up now when I haven't mentioned it before, you know, or they have to go back to work and it's like, they don't, it's a lot of emotional labor. Like, you're already devastated. You're already grieving. You're physically like your postpartum, like no matter kind of what stage you're at, like you give birth in some 
physical way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think sometimes it's a lot. And so there's still that first trimester rule, you know, and that gets debated a lot. Like, should you tell people right away or why don't we tell people until after the first trimester? And a lot of it is that superstition or that we don't, well, if we tell people and then we lose the baby, then we'll have to tell them we lost the baby. And that can be really isolating if you haven't told anyone and then you have a miscarriage. So I think there, I don't, you've probably seen this too. It's like when you know, when do we share and why, like, what are our reasons for sharing when we do? And, and all of that is, I think it's still kind of up in the air. There's no right answer. It's so personal um, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yep. I I agree. And I do feel like I, in my experience, people who have a history of miscarriages or infant loss tend to wait a little bit longer than those who might not have that history. Um, would you agree with that or? Or the opposite. I mean, they're like, I want everyone to know about this baby. I want to celebrate it. I want to have a support system in place if there's a loss. So yeah, I think it goes both ways. Me personally, we totally hid the pregnancy. Um, partially because I, we lived far away from family. Our kids were so little. They'd just been through this like devastating loss. And I, I think nine months is a long time for little kids to wait anyway. So we would kind of wait um, to tell our kids. And, you know, once you tell your kids, then everybody knows. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, with our rainbow baby right after the stillbirth, I literally like wore sweaters and just didn't say anything to just a few friends like my friend um, who I shared about. And, yeah, until the night before our uh, anatomy scan. Just because for me, that's me. Like I go inward when I'm struggling. I'm like an introvert. I'm quiet. I just, I'm like, I can't handle all the the noise and the input. I just want to like do this on my own. And I don't know if that's the right way to handle it, but that's how we handled it. Um, so yeah, really interesting. And then with our other loss, we hadn't, well, we had just told our kids because they were older at the time. And I'm like, they're going to notice mom's just laying on the couch, like sipping limeade like all day, every day. I was so, so sick with that baby. And um, like, so we just told them and like at the next appointment found out there wasn't a heartbeat. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's so personal. Yeah. And I don't think there is a right or wrong way to do it either. It's just what's right or wrong for, for you as a parent. Or soon to be parent. I remember with my loss, I was in my second trimester and everybody knew I was pregnant. I was showing. Mm-hmm. And there was a, uh, without getting into the details of the story, there was a gap between when we found out the baby had passed and when I was induced because of conflict with my provider. So it was like a week and a half that I was walking around after I'd found out the baby was, had passed, but the baby's still inside. And, you know, and I'm trying not to fall apart and still taking my daughter to gymnastics class, you know, because like I had to take her to gymnastics class. I didn't want to just sit home and isolate myself. But the drawback of doing that was getting there. And then everybody's like, oh, how are you feeling? Is the baby moving around a lot? And I'm just like, mm, I'm fine, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think there would definitely be things that I would do different if it ever happened again. But I still... I'm glad that I got out of the house. It felt like right to me, even though I had to deal with those like questions and stuff. Yeah. I think the the message I would always send to anyone who's like, how did I do that? Or why did I do that? It's like, we all just do the best we can at the time with what we know. And a lot of times, yeah, we're in shock or we're just like, you just go through the motions and you just do the things. Mm-hmm. Because what else are you going to do? So I think it's just like so important to be compassionate with yourself and Mm -hmm. recognize like you didn't know, like I could sit and say, why didn't I go to the hospital? Why didn't I do this? Why this? Why that? I think that really doesn't like accomplish a whole lot except making you feel terrible. So I just always say like, we all do the best we can with what we're given and we just got to have a lot of love. And that goes for like any, anything where we're just like going through a hard time and um, we're looking back on it, you know, with hindsight, it's mm-hmm. like, we all just, we did the best we could. So when you, when a family is dealing with 
pregnancy or infant loss, what are some strategies that you recommend to help them cope with the grief and emotional challenges following the loss of the baby? Well, there are a lot of things, but I would say the biggest one is like grief is not a problem. In our culture, we're like, we should be happy and we should be positive and we should, you know, look on the bright side and we should be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and all of this messaging. But really, life is hard. Like, and parenting is hard. Like, pregnancy is hard. Grief is going to touch all of us. And so we might as well just lean into it and feel the feelings. Cause I think that's a lot of us. We are just conditioned. And this is what I do as a coach. It's like, here's all the things that like you learned growing up that you never really realized you learned growing up, whether it's from your family, your culture, your whatever, right? And figuring out, does that even work for me? But we really do learn that if you feel bad inside, you better do something about it. Or what a lot of times we do is numb it out, right? So we're like eating the chocolate and we're scrolling on our phone, or you might be drinking alcohol. You might be just trying to distract yourself, you know, in unhealthy ways because we're so uncomfortable with uncomfortable emotions Mm -hmm. or what people might call negative emotions. Grief is just a byproduct of love. Like you loved that baby from the minute you knew or maybe before, right? From the minute you hoped you would be able to conceive a child. And when you don't get to love them the way you thought, like that's a loss. And you're going to feel that. And it's okay that it's devastating. It's okay that it's sad. It's okay that you're angry. It's okay that you're a mess. Like all of that is okay. And it's more than okay. It's what we're supposed to feel, right? Because the alternative is to feel nothing, right? Like to not love, to not put ourselves out there to take the chance on bringing children into the world. And so I just think that The number one thing is it's okay to feel all your feelings. We are not supposed to live our life in the happiness, like constant happiness. Mm -hmm. We really need both sides. And so grief, I say, make it your best friend. Learn about it. Learn that what you're going through is normal and natural and to be expected. And also get confident with it. I mean, it sounds kind of funny, but really... Think there can be people around us who are going to judge our grief, or they're going to say they they really want us to feel better because they don't like watching us suffer, right? Or they don't know what to say, or they don't know what to do. They just want to fix it. So when you can get confident and just say no, like I don't want to go that baby shower, and I'm really sorry, but I'm okay with my choice, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to cry. I'm going to go to the bathroom and cry at work. You know, I'm going to give myself permission to do that every couple hours as long as I need to. And you can learn how to take care of yourself, learn how to be confident and not judge Mm -hmm. yourself. Because I do also see this, especially in pregnancy loss, because there is, again, this is like an underlying belief that none of us like explicit, actually people do explicitly say it, but it's like, if you had a, a loss at six weeks, you should be less sad than 39 and a half weeks or if your baby was born, right? There's like this hierarchy or this competition or this. So maybe someone who had a really early loss might say, why am I so sad? Mm -hmm. Like I shouldn't be this devastated six months later, only pregnant for like, I only knew I was pregnant for a week. What's wrong with me is basically the question, like what is wrong with me? Like there's nothing wrong with you. That's such a good point. Yeah. If you love something, you saw a future, you don't get it. Like you get to grieve that. And so. Mm-hmm. I think that really yeah, think went, hit home for me to Amy and my situation because I was getting, I remember there was a point where I was getting upset at things that people were saying to me. Um, and these are just things that upset me personally, like other people might view these things as fine. But, and, and back then I think people just, like you said, they didn't know what to say. Our culture is very separated from death, unlike other cultures, especially infant and pregnancy death. And so I heard things mm-hmm. like, oh, you're young, you can have another, or now your baby's in a better place, which was like the worst for me. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. And maybe there was something wrong with the baby. 
And again, these are all being said to me with good intentions of trying to make me feel better. And I would just kind of like shove my feelings down about it and then complain to like my mom or my husband after. And they would be like, well, they're just trying to help. And eventually I was like, you know what? I am allowed to be mad about this. I'm allowed to be angry about what happened. I'm allowed to be sad about what happened. And I'm allowed to be annoyed that people are telling me that my baby is in a better place. So basically, if you think about it, like my baby is better off being dead than in my arms is what you're saying. Um, and I, and I, once I started to give myself permission and every time I started to feel guilty, cause I have a huge guilt complex, right? I'd say, no, I'm allowed to feel this way. I'm allowed to feel this way. I'm allowed to get annoyed. I'm allowed to feel angry. I'm allowed to feel sad. And it doesn't mean, you know, because it was just a pregnancy loss, quote unquote, like you said. But, and I remember once I gave myself that permission, it honestly helped a lot, like so much. So I think you're spot on about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I love what you touched on. It's a little bit of, you know, especially as women, we're socialized to be like these people pleasers, right? And so I know that a lot of people, like a lot of my clients will be like, I have to go to this Christmas party and like, I need to behave a certain way or I can't be sad or I can't show how I'm feeling or I can't be honest, right? I have to pretend that I'm fine so that everyone around me doesn't get upset. And it's like, we don't have to carry that, you know, for other people. Like they're allowed to think and feel and say whatever they want, but like, I got to take care of me. So, and it's just such a tender time that, yeah, I think really important to remind people of that. And we do kind of figure it out because we get pushed into these corner, you know, sometimes these hard mm-hmm. things. It's like you finally start stand up for yourself. Right. Um, so that opportunity is there. But yeah, I mean, overall, I just think there's so much to learn about grief um, and loving yourself, having a lot of compassion. And it really is a great teacher. Again, I would never say like your baby died so you could learn a lesson to someone, but I would say that there are many lessons available if and when you're ready and you want, you know, to kind of explore that because it does, it tests our relationships. It tests our confidence. It tests, you know, we have to look at our beliefs. When you deal with death, you're, you got to figure out like, Maybe you were super faithful before and now you're like really mad at God or maybe you didn't believe in God at all and now you have a baby and you're like, well, where is, you know, what? now I kind of want to explore this. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of opportunities, but there's no rush. There's no timeline. There's no right way to do it. You can't mess it up. You know, it's just, it's part of the human experience. And I think the more we can like approach it that way, Rather than kind of trying to fight it or avoid it or push it down, the better. That's a good point. I also feel like it's important for everyone involved to feel supported because I remember, and this was just my experience, but I remember after my loss, everyone was so concerned about me. Everyone was coming over and supporting me and doing laundry, bringing food, whatnot, taking my other kids out to the park or whatever. But no one was really supporting my husband at the time. So I am divorced and remarried. And I could pinpoint like it was after our loss that our marriage really, really started to suffer. And I think it was because everyone was so focused on me, including myself. And no one was really focused on him. And he had to go back to work. And so I think outwardly, he looked like he was doing a lot better coping with it than I was because he was working and going about his day. But I feel like on the inside, he wasn't. And that's that definitely like started the crack in the foundation of our marriage. And do you feel like that is something that happens frequently? Do you see that with couples you're working with where their relationship starts to suffer a little bit after they have a loss like that? Yeah, it definitely is going to test your relationship. There's statistics out there. And I honestly, I need to just do the research on where they come from. But yeah, they do talk a lot about how the death of a child can be, you know, a catalyst. I don't personally think that it causes, like the death isn't what causes it, but it does, it is a catalyst in that it starts bringing up a lot of things like your communication or how you're caring for each other, how you deal with stress, how you deal with like all the input, you know, all the the different parents and the grandparents and the people and like the aftermath of it all. 
And also, again, as judging how your partner's grieving or feeling like you're not on the same page. Like, do you want to try again? Does he, do, where are you both? How's both of your mental health, your emotions? You're right. Like the partners often get overlooked mm -hmm. um, in these situations. And they're kind of put in this box of like the caretaker when like they are grieving and maybe they don't know how to do it very well. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it brings out the worst in us. Like, yeah. and yeah, so navigating that, sometimes it does end up with that couple not choosing to stay together. Sometimes it ends up like welding people together mm -hmm. um, even stronger. And sometimes it just sits and it kind of festers, you know, and we just like choose to not look at, you know, maybe that six months or whatever, that time after the loss, it was really, really bad. And we just kind of choose to put it in our back pocket. Um, I think that happens too. So yeah, lots of different, I don't think that I would say every couple is going to have to, yeah, just figure it out and go on that journey. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's definitely not easy. You mentioned making sure that you and your partner are communicating and on the same page about whether or not you'd want to try again for another pregnancy. What other advice do you have for parents who are considering having another baby after experiencing a loss? And are there specific strategies that you would recommend to help couples prepare emotionally for the new pregnancy? Yes, I definitely think if there's ever a time to get help, whether it's a therapist, a coach, like join a support group, whatever, like this whole pregnancy after loss, should I have another baby after loss? When, you know, how that can be really difficult. Um, it isn't always like some people have, you know, a loss and they know exactly what they want to do and like everything's fine uh, medically and whatever. But for most people, you've got the emotional side of it. You've got the physical side of it. So really important to talk to your care team, your doctor, your midwife, whatever care, figure out what's going on as much as you can and really advocate for yourself is something I always say you a lot of times it's pretty much still like this. They want you to like have three losses before they do testing, for example, like to figure out if there's a cause. And sometimes you have to really push, you know, and I'm hopeful that that is changing because people are starting to say like, that's really like, why, <laughs> why do you, have, why do we have to suffer this much before they'll just do like some blood tests? But maybe you don't love your doctor. Like, it's okay to change. It's okay to shop around. It's okay to try different people and find someone you're comfortable with who will take your background into account. Because a lot of times there is just this, oh, it just happens. It won't happen again type of attitude. And sometimes that's true. Like, there is research that most people go on to have a healthy pregnancy after loss. But sometimes you need more care than that. And it's okay to push for that for sure. Um, as far as like in the relationship, I actually have a little ebook on my website if anybody wants to check it out, but it really just goes through all of this and really just figuring out because we, we want to be on the exact same page as our partner. And I would never say like get pregnant if your partner is absolutely against it, but also you, you just, you have to figure out, like, I think even in a, you know, regular, normal pregnancy, whatever you want to call it, you might not be exactly on the same page, right? Um, but I know for me personally, like I knew, well, I kind of just left it. I felt, it felt so out of control when our daughter died, but I was like, well, I don't really have any control. So I kind of just like left it up to the universe or God or like nature, whatever it was, you know, and, and my husband definitely has been through the ringer watching me. Like when we had the miscarriage, I had surgery, it's called a DNC and, um, ended up hemorrhaging and lost a ton of blood yeah. and almost died. And that was really, really hard for him. So when I was like, I think there's one more, I I just could not shake this feeling that there was another baby for us. He was like, uh, yeah, it was kind of complicated. But, you know, you got to take each other's concerns into account. 
Like you have to understand how hard it is to be the person standing there helpless watching this or the person who's worried that you might not live through another pregnancy. You know, you want to be there to raise your children, not just like bring them into the world. So there are a lot of factors and everyone is going to be so different. But I think it's just really grounding yourself and deciding like, what do I really want? Um, Why do I want it? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we want things because it's like we had this picture in our head of what our family would look like. And then like loss kind of interrupts that or changes it. Um, And so it's okay to change what you thought. It's okay Mm -hmm. to believe you'll have, you can be happy either way, whether you try again, whether you wait, whether you stop, whether you decide it's enough, like for people who have multiple losses or like a traumatic situation. There's a lot of judgment like you're giving up or why wouldn't you just try again or, you know, like we have a lot of judgment that comes from ourselves and from the people around us. Kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Yep. There's always going to be yeah. someone judging whatever decision you make. Yeah. Well, and I think too, what you said is like, I think losing a baby is the only time where people will say, well, just try it. Like you can replace that baby. Like just have another one, but it's not another one of that baby. That baby was unique. That baby was their own person, you know, and I do know parents who believe that their baby's soul or whatever came back in a different body and that's good for them. But for sure, I think there can be this fear of, am I replacing this baby? Am I dishonoring my child who died if I try again and And there's a lot around that. So again, just talking to someone, whoever you trust, um, or someone who can understand, just help you work through some of that because I know that can be a really big fear. And then the other thing emotionally, like getting emotionally prepared, I 100% recommend because there is going to be a level of anxiety that is different. Mm -hmm. than if you had no experience with a loss. And it can be intense and it can be overwhelming. Like for me, where I lost a child at full term after with no sign of anything wrong until it was too late, there was no safe zone. There was nothing I could tell myself to make it feel safe. And so what I really recommend for people who are there is getting in your body. Our nervous system has like our fight, flight, freeze response. So pregnancy that that is this thing we put on a pedestal, like, oh, we glow and it's so great and it's magic. It feels dangerous in our body. And so when you've been through a loss, you have to acknowledge like, I need to learn maybe some nervous system soothing techniques, which you can get on YouTube, you can get books, like there's so many resources out there. And this is something I work on my with my clients on too. It's like, it could be tapping, it can be grounding, it can be doing yoga, it can be, you know, there's just like so many ways you can learn to kind of calm the anxiety in your body. But a lot of times we try to stay in our head and say like, oh, it's a different pregnancy, I'll have a different outcome. And it's like, it doesn't cut it. It, it doesn't work because your body is afraid. Your body doesn't know um, the difference. Yeah, your body's like a scared little rabbit that is like mm-hmm. waiting for the fox around the corner. And that can be really exhausting. And so I think learning to care for yourself, that confidence again, like learning to say, this is what I need. You know, mm-hmm. this is what I want. This is what's important to me. And and being able to do that and follow through and like saying no is another one with our, again, people-pleasing tendencies. It's like, When I was pregnant after loss, I needed to like let go. Like any of the stuff that did not matter, it had to go Mm -hmm. so that I could take care of me, take care of my family, take care of my relationship. And basically that was it. And like, it's okay to have a season where you're just like fully focused on you. And so I think that's really important Mm -hmm. going into a pregnancy after loss. I I agree. And I think in my situation... Also, going back to what you had said about finding the right provider, um, with my my rainbow pregnancy, I had an amazing midwife who understood how anxious I was. And I remember the week I was in the same week of pregnancy 
that I was in when I had lost my son, I was so anxious. And she, this, this woman would swing by my house like every other day for a week and a half just to check my baby's heartbeat. Like she just come to my house just to check my baby's heartbeat. And I remember like she checked the heartbeat. It would look great. And she'd kiss my belly. She'd be like, you're doing great. And it was so nice to just have someone who understood and wasn't like, oh, you're, you're being dramatic or you're being, you're overreacting or whatever. And was just like, oh yeah, you want me to come by and check the baby's heartbeat? Would that make you feel better? Yes, it would. And I think prior to that, I would never have said yes. I would have been like, oh no, I don't want you to go out of your way, drive all the way to my house. And I'm just being silly. And, but at that point I was like, yes, come to my house, do this for me. And feeling, you know, slightly selfish about it, but it was what I needed. And I knew that I needed that. And so, and she was willing to do it. So I think that was profound for me and is what got me through that most anxious part of my pregnancy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That whole, I don't want to put anybody out. You know, if you're worried about your baby, I say get your butt to labor and delivery or call your midwife or whatever, because so what? Like put them out, you know, bother Mm -hmm. them because you need to do what you need to do for your own mental health and to keep your baby safe. And I mean, it's hard. Another thing I think is we kind of lose that trust in ourselves when we've been through a loss and and maybe you you're questioning your gut right or you're like why didn't my gut tell me you know for me it's like why didn't i sense something was off but so yeah we got to repair that relationship cuz i'm sure you talk about that a lot you know with all of this like birth and um babies you know and parenting we kind of disconnect or or we're we just like lose that self-trust. So I think rebuilding that um, and just saying like, I am going to allow myself to connect with this baby. I'm going to allow myself to connect with my body, with my intuition, with my inner knowing. Um, if you believe like in spiritual knowing, you know, or like getting messages, um, really reconnecting with that can be so, so helpful too. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's hard when you don't, when, yeah, when you just like don't trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it just adds to that fear. I wanted to talk a little bit about more of an outside perspective as well. So maybe there's a listener out there and they've never had a infant or pregnancy loss, but they know someone who has. And maybe that person is now in their rainbow pregnancy. What are some ways for friends and families to be sensitive and understanding and supporting during the the pregnancy journey? I love this question. And I think I would say really follow your person's lead. Be open to talking and listening to them. Um, because like I said, a lot of times we're uncomfortable. We don't want to hear it. So in a rainbow pregnancy, a lot of times what lost parents will find is that everyone's so excited for them, right? Mm-hmm. And they want them to be as excited, but they're, you know, conflicted. They've got a lot of fears. They, they've got a lot of feelings. They've got a lot going on. And so if you can just be there and understand that this is a beautiful thing. And of course they're happy, but it also doesn't feel like it's guaranteed or safe. And that's okay. I think in like the lost community, a lot of times when people will announce of subsequent pregnancy, people say a gentle congratulations. You know, just and even that little difference, it just acknowledges like there's a lot. This isn't all just like like stars and hearts and celebration. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit more complicated and it's a little bit scary. So I think just touching base with them, like, do you want a shower? How would you like that to go? How are you feeling about it? Are you nervous about it? I remember feeling like, because our son that was born after our stillbirth was our first boy. And so we did have a shower and like, we'd had so much support and it was so amazing. And, and I was like, I want to celebrate this baby. Like he deserves stuff and I have nothing that's boy. Um, 
But it's also just like, am I going to jinx it? Is this bad luck? And like, it was so mm. overwhelming to just be in a room with a lot of people. And, you know, again, it's like, am I going to, ha- am I going to have a bunch of emotions and then I have to pretend to be happy? And um, it also fell right near my daughter's first birthday, literally just days apart. And I was like, how do I acknowledge her first birthday and also have this baby shower? Mm-hmm. You know, so just understand that there might be a lot going on and just just talk to them. You know, do they want to get everything set up? Do they want to buy things or do they not? Do they want hand-me-downs yet? <laughs> do they what is you know, how do you how do they want to talk about the baby? Just mm-hmm. yeah, really just be open to understanding and that it's not about you. Like it can feel hard. Like if you're the grandma and you just want to spoil, you know, you're so excited and bubbling over and want to buy all the things. And they're like, please don't buy things yet because we had to return a bunch of stuff Hmm. and it was awful. You know, can you, again, find support for you and figure out like how to take care of yourself because Hmm. the people around the pregnancy, they also grieved right? They've got their own stuff and it can be hard and it can be hard to navigate. Like a lot of times what I'm coaching people on is like the in-laws or the sisters-in-laws or the, you know, the, the parents, the siblings, not really understanding um, how they're feeling. And so mm-hmm. really important. Yeah. And I would say just you don't, you don't have to tiptoe around. You can be excited, but just check in with them. For me, like when I have friends that are pregnant after loss, I'm like, I am going to be fully excited for you and hopeful and all of it. I know that you can't always be, but I'm going to be that like for you. I love that. If they're okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I would just say with this goes for everyone, like universally all the time. But I think a lot of times we do ask that how are you feeling or how are you doing? And we don't really, like, we just expect them to say, fine, good, whatever. Can you listen? Can you be a space where they can actually say how they're feeling? And like, you're not going to judge them. You're not going to try to cheer them up. You're not going to try to put a positive spin on it. You're just going to listen and maybe ask questions, Mm -hmm. right? Like ask the second question is some advice. I just heard someone saying this and I was like, yes, this is great because you know, when you say, how are you doing? And they say, oh, like, I'm really nervous. My anatomy scan's c- coming up, you know, just say, hey, what what are you afraid of? Like, what's going on? Just let them talk. Um, right. It's a gift because we just, we're in such a fast paced, distracted, busy, like, mm-hmm. world. And so just being there for them, checking on them, sending a text. Um, I always say, use technology, use your Google calendar, set your reminders, just be like, any days that you know are important maybe around the loss, like maybe how many weeks they lost their baby, mm-hmm. you know, their due date, their whatever. Yeah. Put it, put it in your phone. Like it's easy. And then you just say, Hey, I was thinking about you. Yes. Perfect. Because like you said, so many people are afraid to bring it up. They shy away from it. But the most supportive friends and family that I had were the ones who would bring up my baby and say my baby's name, even during my rainbow pregnancy and send me flowers you know, around the time that I had lost him to let me know, like, we're thinking of you and we remember him. And, you know, you know, that was really important for me because a lot of people did view it as like, like you said, this pregnancy was going to replace this baby was going to replace that baby. And then you had the people who understood it more who were like, I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking about your baby. I'm thinking, I know this was a tough time for you. Here's some flowers or whatnot. And I thought that was so important and helpful for me. Yeah. That fear that the new baby will erase the baby that has passed is definitely real. Mm-hmm. So if, I love that too. It's like, yeah, remember all the babies, you know, yeah. and the living siblings and the, you know, that everyone's mm-hmm. in that. Like my kids were also nervous and I had friends that like brought them little games or little prizes or, you know, if they would do anything for them, just mm-hmm. acknowledge like the whole family is grieving the whole family might be nervous. I'm sure that my little tinies, you know, my daughter, my youngest was three when um, I was pregnant with Lauren. That's our daughter who died. She went to every appointment. She put the Doppler on the belly. You know, she was Mm -hmm. in it. 
And so, Mm -hmm. of course, in the next pregnancy, they would say stuff like, is this baby going to die too? And Mm -hmm. to hear that coming out of little faces, you know, it's like, it's a lot. And so acknowledging, even if they can't express it, the children or the partner, you know, they don't have Mm -hmm. as much permission maybe, but they also uh, might need support. So checking in on them, I think it means so much. Yep. I remember it was like probably a week or two after I was induced and we were driving and I think she was five, my oldest at the time. And it was a full moon. It was nighttime. It was a full moon now. And she's like, the moon looks so pretty. And then she goes, mom, what if you swallow the moon and then your belly will get big again? We can get our baby brother back. And now, and that was like the first time I was like, okay, this really hit her in a way too. Because sometimes with kids, they don't show it on the outside too much or they don't show it so obviously, you know? So that really, that really like, oh, that was a moment (laughs) there. Yeah. And I think for kids, they don't sit in it as long, right? They're they're mm-hmm. more like their attention span in general is shorter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they'll just be running around playing and then they'll like say something or ask a question and, and you're just like, what? And yeah, you just, I always say you got to just like let them explore, let them ask questions. You don't have to fix it for them either. Just be someone who will listen and acknowledge and give them space to feel their feelings. Like for my kids, a lot of it was like, I miss Lauren. And I would just say me too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's as simple as that. It's just saying like, yeah, I'm sad too. We're sad too. And like acknowledging like some of my kids like to visit the cemetery and some do not. Mm And that's okay. Like it's all okay. And then my babies that are born after the losses, you know, talking to them and they still have questions. My youngest will ask, we have a a burial, like a cemetery, a headstone for Lauren. We don't for River, which is our miscarried baby. And he'll just say, well, where's River buried? And River with my situation, with the loss, with the surgery, we had like a whole bunch, like just like whole domino of awful just things that happened. Um, so that's kind of a, a tender subject for me that we never did get River's body. We never did get answers. We never, like we didn't get a chance to see or bury or, you know, have that with River. So I have my little child who's born after all of this. He's asking questions. And so... You just got to find kind of like age appropriate answers and try to help them through it and also take care of yourself as you're kind of working through this stuff. Yeah, it can be tricky, but it definitely can be done. Children, I think, don't have all those preconceived like beliefs and things that we do as adults. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just very open. They're very curious. And, you know, I hope that we can show them that it's okay to grieve. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to, you know, what are some kind ways to check in on people and Mm -hmm. take care of people when they're sad and help them maybe do better than what we learned or, or whatever. Yep. 100%. Can you leave our listeners with some words of encouragement or a message of hope for those considering a new pregnancy after a baby loss? And then can you tell us where we can find you if people want to connect with you, learn more about you? Yeah, I would say, number one, that you can have a whole beautiful life, um, whether you have a living baby or not, whether you have another living baby or not. I think we get really wrapped up in like, we can't be happy unless... Like our family looks the way we want them to. Um, that's not always true. And some people really, really try for a long time and put themselves through a lot of suffering looking for that. But like happiness, or I would say joy, like deeper than being happy, um, it comes from inside of us and we can create it no matter our circumstances, no matter how many kids we have in our arms. Um, it's so important. but. If you want to try again, I absolutely think that that's your right. And if you want to do it and if you have that desire, then like 
go for it. And yes, there will be fears, but I never think that fear should drive our decisions. We got to like, we can bring the fear along. We can put the fear in the passenger seat and it can come with, but we're not going to let it drive our life. And so if you want to try again, if you're in the process right now, if you're in a pregnancy after loss right now, just really build a beautiful support system for yourself as best you can with the resources you can. We all have different situations, but there are resources that you can find and just take care of yourself. And I just think even when the odds are stacked against you, like sometimes as lost parents, we feel like the statistics did not work in our favor. But I say, even if the odds are stacked against you, like you're going to figure it out and you're going to try your best and whatever happens, you're going to deal with it. I think we look forward with a lot of anxiety and worry in the future. I say, just like stay present, trust yourself um, and everything is going to be okay. And we don't know what that looks like. We can't control it. Like we all wish we could just magically plug in what we mm-hmm. want and we would just get it out. For most people, that's just not the case. And and that's okay. But you're going to be okay. That's, I think, what I want to say to people is like, there's always hope. And yeah, you are stronger than you think. And sometimes strength looks like being like crying and being a mess and all of it. But that's okay. Like. That's just part of being a human. Mm-hmm. So okay. yeah, I have a podcast called Smooth Stones. It is a how-to guide for life after baby loss. We talk all about grief and loss, but also life. Because like I said, there is so much life ahead of each one of us. And we all have things we want to do and relationships and um, dreams and goals. And so that's on any podcast app. If you have an app and you don't see it, just message me on Instagram. I'll get it on there. I think I got all of them, but um, my Instagram is at amy.smoothstonescoaching and my website is smoothstonescoaching.com. And yeah, I would just love to help anyone who is living life after baby loss or pregnant after loss. Um, That's really where my heart is and kind of where I feel like I've been led through everything that I've been through. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Amy, and sharing your story. And thank you for doing what you do and supporting families through this journey. It's not easy. Um, And I will put the links to your podcast and Instagram and website in the show notes too, so people can find you easily. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you again so much and have a good day. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaftIBCLC.com, where you can check out more options for support through pregnancy and beyond, including the Baby Pro Bistro, our parenting community. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaftIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes to help our episodes reach more parents like you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.